Hi everyone, my name is Melissa Lee and I'm your health coach who targets women with PCOS and women in general who wants to achieve stubborn weight loss. I do my best work when I work with PCOS urban women in their 30s who are embarrassed about their weight but want to feel comfortable in their bodies and are able to lose stubborn weight naturally. In this podcast, we talk about various topics including why stubborn weight loss is so hard to achieve. If this is you, definitely put this in your podcast list because one episode will be released every single week. Okay. Hi, everyone. Today, I would like to introduce you to Brody Welch. She's the founder of A Healthy Curiosity Podcast, where she covers topics extensively integrated with functional medicine and alternative medicine. Brody combines the usage of Chinese medicine, yoga, and functional medicine to help her clients in a well-rounded way. I love the way she approaches healing through these modalities and also pay attention to lifestyle changes. So welcome, Brody. Thanks so much for having me, Melissa. I'm so excited that um, you are here. So just let the audience know who you are and who do you serve? Well, I have my roots in Chinese medicine. I've been, I've had a clinical practice for over 16 years now, and it's evolved quite a bit uh, as I started. I've always been a teacher at heart, and I've always wanted to empower the people that I work with to take better care of themselves. So I started amassing all of these tools to put power in the hands of the people I was serving. And so whether that is teaching Qigong or teaching people how to eat or or, um, so getting or what essential oils to use, but then evolving into leading coaching groups for women who do too much and <laughs> overwork and overserve to really prioritize the basics of what we need to be doing to take care of ourselves. Because so often it's like Chinese medicine can offer these differential diagnoses. We can get super nerdy about herbs and acupuncture points and 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 really specific, and it can be totally powerful medicine, but the most powerful things, the most powerful levers we have over how we end up feeling are the things we do in our everyday life. So I realized that no matter how many tools I accumulated in my toolbox, mm-hmm. that so many of them it, it were, were not as important as what someone was, how someone was living day to day with things like stress and sleep and eating well and meditating and just managing stress, all these things that we know that we're supposed to be doing, but Mm -hmm. don't do. So I've studied a lot about habit change. And I, so I, I coached women primarily uh, one-on-one and in my kind of self-care support group, Level Up Your Life, to actually do the things that we all know we need to be doing to take care of ourselves and really embody the kind of self-respect that we, most of us, proclaim to have. Yeah, I bet. I mean, I think this whole modern era is all about stress, right? And you serve type A women, I'm guessing they're suffering from fatigue and they're burnt out. Um, So when do you, when you, you know, when you address these concerns in their life, do you kind of get like a denial? Like, do you have people telling you, oh, I'm not really stressed. It's just that I have this symptom. Or are they kind of more accepting to embrace their health from a holistic perspective? 
Oh, that's a good question. I think it really depends on how tightly they're wearing their social mask. You know, that so mm-hmm. many, so many people have just uh, habituated to stress and exhaustion being just what they experience all the time. And so, so some people might be in denial that they even have a choice, that they feel like they're just running themselves into the ground because they really believe that they don't that they can't do anything else that it's like the demands of their job or their families and no doubt those things are factors uh, as as chronic illness or i mean certainly there there can be legitimately difficult things that we're all dealing with and at the same time what we choose to spend our time and energy on is a way that we can either bite the hook of stress and kind of believe that we need to be moving faster to keep up with our lives while feeling more exhausted and having more and more autoimmune dysfunction, hormone imbalance, insomnia, whatever it is that's going on, and and not really necessarily get that stress is something that we can choose to align with, but so is ease and that we actually have the choice to not bite the hook. But that oftentimes, because I mean, really in stress, we we evolved as humans with a stress response that helped us escape from tigers, right? And and to survive as a species. Mm -hmm. But most of the things that are, that we are perceiving as threatening in our daily lives aren't connected to our actual survival, but they're connected to the survival of who we think we need to be, which for women, a lot of times is being good, quote unquote, like being a good mom, being a good worker, being a a high achiever, being a good partner, being a good woman, you know, like, what does that even mean? It's, it's, um, for a lot of us, it's these survival patterns that, that are driving the need to over, do to be perfect to show up as as kind of this superhuman untouchable shiny um master who's got it all together and inside we're suffering and 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 that's like or or or, so like that's that there can be an overachiever pattern or a perfectionist pattern but also someone who's kind of the people pleaser or someone who believes that it's her job to take care of everyone else's needs before her own. And this is something that is so culturally reinforced. And, and the, the idea that, so one of, my, one of my missions in life is to get women to realize that we actually have the right to take care of ourselves. And mm-hmm. that when we do, it's actually far from being a selfish thing. It gives everyone else permission to do the same. And in so in doing so, we're changing the culture and we're making it more humane for all of us, for women, for men, for our kids, for our friends, uh, for everyone that we care about. And, th- and that we're kind of, uh, that it still can feel um, radical because there's so much accolades and praise for the overdoing and like, oh, you're mm-hmm. so amazing. You get so much done as opposed to like, you know what I did today? I took a nap. Yeah. You know, like most people yeah. are like, good for you. That's mm-hmm. awesome. But that's to me, like, I, I don't know. And I, I really, um, I 
teach this stuff and I believe in it because it's been one of my biggest struggles and I've, I've struggled with kind of overcoming my natural type A tendencies, but also recognizing that it, part of it was a survival pattern of feeling like a not enoughness at a deep level that caused me to overextend my energetic limits and has, has at times landed me with hormone imbalance and autoimmune symptoms and insomnia and anxiety mm-hmm. and depression and weight gain and all this stuff, which, oh, and early menopause, by the way, I went through menopause when I was in my thirties and it's like, um, and since then I feel like I've learned a lot and I've kind of, uh, forced myself to do less than I'm humanly capable of as part of my own healing, but also just to be in greater integrity with helping others take care of themselves. Right. It sounds like everything is interconnected when you started painting the picture from the whole mindset and, you know, putting on a mask for everyone and trying to do and do and do. And eventually you run yourself dry, like you run yourself to the ground. Your body's giving you signals through all these signs and symptoms and eventually a development of like, for example, an autoimmune disease or a hormonal imbalance. And um, could you touch on a little bit more about that? What do you think about, you know, how this ease or, you know, body symptoms that we have is actually a sign of like chronic stress? Yeah, well, there is, our bodies are smart and they'll exhibit symptoms which are really just signs to pay attention. They're invitations to tune in and to investigate. And so when we decide to kind of ignore what our bodies are saying, if they're speaking mm-hmm. up in the form of pain or if they're speaking up in the form of, of really any, anything that seems that's not normal, anything that's kind of going awry mm-hmm. and we choose to ignore it, we are basically telling ourselves, like we're basically telling our bodies to shut up you know, or that right. if it, rather than investigate and get curious as to why this is arising, just kind of moving on and pretending that it's not happening, ignoring mm-hmm. what's going on at a deeper level, it allows that underlying imbalance to get worse. And so in, in Chinese medicine, we think about health not as this binary, I'm either healthy or I have a disease. We think about it as this continuum. And that if we, and we're kind of, so, so between those two poles of maybe health, the land of health on one end and the, the symptoms, of, um, symptoms of a disharmony or, or a disease or an imbalance on the other, that in between them, there's this big gray area that I consider kind of the land of imbalance. And every day of our lives, through our daily actions, we have the ability to either steer in the direction of health or mm-hmm. steer more in the direction of that disease. And, it, and, and this is not to blame anybody for a, like a, a condition that, that they have, but at the same time, I, I mean it exactly the opposite to be empowering to the fact that like, okay, maybe uh, for that you have whatever condition, but you still have the ability to steer in your daily life and, and do things that can make your situation better and make yourself feel better um, or not. Mm-hmm. And that our, right. daily, our daily actions matter. So the, the idea that, that um, if we are telling ourselves to shut up and be quiet and we're, maybe we're taking drugs, um, whether that's over the counter or whether it's self-medicating with alcohol or sugar or caffeine or whatever, that, that we're, we're not 
it's like we're, we're doing what we need to do to get through the day. And sometimes that's important. Sometimes that's all we can do. And at the same time, when we multiply out the habits that we have today and we imagine what would this be like in five years if I don't actually do something about it now um, versus I'm going to make a change in the direction of better and see where that lands me because mm-hmm. the, the power of compound habit is huge. Just like saving for retirement. If you start in your 20s, that power of compound interest mm-hmm. is massive. And the power of, com- of compounded daily choices is the same thing. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, you know, the whole idea of habit stacking, um, just doing a little bit every day. I like how you kind of painted that picture of being in the middle. And every day we can make a conscious choice to go towards, you know, more a healthy body or more dis-ease uh, direction. Um, I think that, you know, clients, well, clients who see me, usually they come to me for a specific problem. Um, I'm sure you see this in your practice as well. They come for a specific problem and then you tell them, oh, you know, are you sleeping or are you pooping well? And they're like, it's disconnected, right, for them. So I just want like everyone to pay attention and really pay attention to your body. Everything is linked. Everything is really integrated uh, as it is in functional medicine. Um, So how do you actually help your clients who have hormonal imbalances? Well, it depends on what those imbalances are, definitely. But um, I'd say for, well, yeah, it's, that's that's really a big question. Is are are there particular hormones you're curious about, or just <laughs> okay in general? Um, so let's let's go with uh, women's health, right? The whole progesterone, estrogen. Um, you can even involve cortisol in this. Sure. Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it, in, in Chinese medicine, we think about what that what, there, there wasn't the concept of hormones. There was the concept of, um, of yin and yang, for example, and that the, the, the idea that stress hormones and sex hormones have a fundamental, like they come out of the same bucket, they come from the same source. And that source in Chinese medicine is the kidneys, like the source of yin and yang in the body. And so just to unpack what I mean by yin and yang briefly, that yang is like, that is the active moving force of doing. And it, you know, it's heating, it's, it's Mm -hmm. busy, it's active, it's, it's motivating. Cortisol, of course, would be a very yang hormone in that it's the major uh, fight or flight hormone that gets kicked off when we're stressed out. And there is no off switch for cortisol. It's, uh, it just keeps happening. The body has to then spend more of its hormonal chi, its energetic resources on things like DHEA um, they, that, that calm down the cortisol response, oxytocin, these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And, and in the process, are, so that's, um, that's kidney energy. The body's not going to prioritize having babies when it thinks that we're going to die. So stress hormones definitely take a hit when we're under chronic stress. And so like having a normal menstrual cycle when uh, that, it, that I read a while ago that to have elevated cortisol, just going into flight or flight once every couple of days is enough to, 
to, to throw that off. And so then is it any wonder that the yin and the yang of the menstrual cycle, it's sort of the yin side being um, estrogen, the, the, the estrogen being proliferative tissue, being uh, that which helps grow the uterine lining, that which helps us, uh, that, that, um, that is the building part of the cycle. And then the more yang, the progesterone um, is, is like when things heat up and when, when we're, when the body's readying for the possibility of pregnancy, uh, that, that it's like that yin and yang has to be in balance. And it's like, if we, so if we're diverting it, like we're, if we're depleting both the yin and the yang of the menstrual cycle mm-hmm. with the adrenals, uh, all of that gets thrown off. So usually like we, usually we start with like looking, getting, getting sober about stress, getting, getting, looking at what is causing us to be in fight or flight all the time. And, and really addressing that is a huge first step. Um, a second, a second, so like looking at the root source of what am I buying into that is making me stressed all the time? Because nothing is inherently stressful. It's our minds that decide when we're going to bite that hook. And then we repattern it. And acupuncture is great at that. Herbs can be great at that. Um, but often it's things like just having a breathing practice or have, practicing Qigong, which is like Taoist yoga, this um slow breathing into our low bellies that tell our that that it actually creates a feedback loop that tells the body that there is no emergency and that it's safe to relax and that it can get down to the business of having a a normal easy menstrual cycle things Mm -hmm. like that and of course cortisol throws off insulin as well right you know that it's it metabolizes and i know that um insulin uh, insulin resistance is uh, a, a big concern for people with pcos yeah, um, I think it's a whole yeah. complex process when you really get down into it. Um, yeah, I feel like uh, it's really interesting that you said that the yin part is the first part of the menstrual cycle and the yang part is after. And that would make sense because the lining is being built and the body's preparing for like another being to be born. Mm-hmm. I've always, in my mind, I've always thought that it was reversed because when we, you know, when estrogen is the dominant part of the first part of a cycle, um, I'm always like, okay, in this go mode, I can do, you know, I can work out hard, I can do whatever. And usually at the second half of the cycle, um, I would be more into kind of leaning in towards myself, kind of pacing out my work. Uh, doing more like restorative exercises. Oh, that's interesting. There is that yin within yang and yang within yin. And I guess like as a practitioner, we would use different herbal formulas to support and supplement and build that, Mm -hmm. that being more like yin nourishing substance building Mm -hmm. in the beginning part of the cycle. And then it's like things have to gear up to move because there's this idea of stagnation in Chinese Mm -hmm. medicine where in order to have an easy, like that really um, easy menstrual cycles are predicated on the free flow of energy in the body, which is governed by the liver and liver, liver energy, liver chi, as we call it, chi is basically uh, the life force um, that the the liver is the organ that we know and love but it's also responsible for the free and easy flow of energy in the body and regular timing so mm. timing of um of digestion right things flowing in the right direction having an easy clockwork daily bowel movement being able to fall asleep on time being able to get up in a rhythm mm-hmm. being able to have uh, your menstrual cycle un like not stop and start happen at a normal cadence happen within just, you know, that a a normal length of time, all of these things, which 
when we're stressed out, energy stagnates. And, and there can be many reasons for energy to stagnate, but stress mm-hmm. can be one of them. And that just the liver chi stagnation throws off the, um, that smooth flow in the menstrual cycle. So in that second half is when we're thinking about gearing up to for energy to be flowing smoothly. And so, yes, like mm-hmm. that you taking time for yourself, slowing down, thing, you know, being more inward and things like that is, is a great way of doing that, as is things like, you know, if you're the kind of person that, that manages stress through activity, like going for a hike or, you know, just any, any form of exercise that helps you to relax afterwards is going to be really good medicine. Oh, so interesting that you brought that up. So does this mean that, you know, women with PCOS, I would assume, or, um, you know, kind of make an assumption of that the liver is kind of where we should be, you know, aiming our healing at because, you know, we have a lot of estrogen dominance and that's where our liver is in charge of um, all of the waste products and all that. Uh, I think that would not be um, that would not be something that I could say with uh, with any confidence because in Chinese medicine mm-hmm. we treat the person, not the condition. So PCOS mm-hmm. from a Chinese medicine perspective could like three different women could have three very different diagnoses. So for one person it might be more about like that the, the and and again as we, what you were saying earlier that we tie different different symptoms and experiences that we're having in the body together under one and look for the root cause in functional medicine. The same thing is true in Chinese medicine, except that we're looking through a very different lens and coming to a very different set of conclusions. So for example, every organ system has an emotion associated with it. Every, it has a color, a season, a taste. It really, if you could look at everything in the universe, it's like everything is energy, right? We know Mm -hmm. that matter and energy are the same thing. And that if you refract light through a prism, you can see all the different colors. And so it's kind of like every every organ system is one of those dimensions of the universe. And so if we're thinking about um, someone that has maybe issues with with their liver, um, it's it's not just their physical liver. It might be that they tend to push themselves. They tend to be overachievers. They tend to uh, get angry and irritable. They like to be in control. They um, they might have other uh, they might have tight neck and shoulders or migraines and all of those things we put in the liver category in Chinese medicine. Whereas someone, um, several patients with PCOS who are overweight and they have digestive issues and they have um, they're prone to um, nasal congestion and vaginal discharge and all of these things that we associate with the spleen, the digestive system, and which, which is responsible for um, like, well, it, and when the spleen is in, in experiencing an imbalance, it can, there's this concept of dampness, like having fog in the body that's like turbidity that hangs out and seeps down into the lower body and might hang out as cysts or fibroids or something that something that doesn't belong in the body that we haven't been able to get rid of. So we definitely would look at someone's body type. We would look at their activity. We would look at their diet, look at their stress. We'd look at their, um, their face, their tongue, their pulse, and all that just a, a whole framework of diagnosis within Chinese medicine in order to figure out what to do with the given person. So looking through the lens of functional medicine, you'd look at different parameters, but certainly like, you know, if somebody is, um, 
that if somebody's liver enzymes are off, for example, or that, um, or if they're having difficulty clearing estrogen, it's like supporting, supporting the liver would could certainly be part of it, but whether or not it's the root, um, would be a question for someone who, mm-hmm. who has, um, studied Chinese medicine at depth. Yeah, and the liver is also associated with anger, right? So yeah, it's sure probably, is. yeah, a lot of women with PCOS are angry that they can't lose weight or they're really frustrated at, you know, the hirsutism that they have and all these things. Yeah, and it's integrated. Yeah, exactly. And that may be that it, the liver is responsible for not only anger and frustration and things like that, but also the free flow of all emotions in the body. Mm-hmm. So if you are denying yourself, time and space to feel your feelings that can also congest the liver and lead to stagnation so and and again like whether if it, that it, somebody if somebody is maybe that spleen person they're they're they someone who has spleen sheet deficiency and dampness and dampness in the lower body and stagnation that they could very well feel angry and frustrated and all sorts of emotions which are which complicates the picture. And so usually we're, we're looking at, at treating, uh, there's also a relationship that like problems with the liver don't stay in the liver, (laughs) but the energy gets passed around from organ to organ. And, um, and so it's, it's important that each one do its jobs because it, it, each one kind of has a part to play in the orchestra that is our bodies. I just had a thought when you're talking about, you know, the whole like liver being a center of all emotions. I just had this thought that women with PCOS, we tend to have a lot of masculine energy. And the fact that we already have higher level of androgens, you know, we're always Mm -hmm. like trying to find a quick fix to fix things. Uh, What can I do to remove my acne? What can I do to lose weight faster, over-exercising? I guess, you know, it's better for us to actually tune into our femininity, like our feminine energy, our intuition. How do you actually incorporate this into your clients? <laughs> I, I I start them off with the do less challenge. And this is something that, uh, well, you know. How difficult. <laughs> absolutely. I'll write down on a self-care permission slip, um, take 30 minutes to yourself and people will look at me like I have three heads. <laughs> it's such a radical notion, right? That we're yes, allowed to totally. do less than we're humanly capable of, but that's absolutely mm-hmm. where I would start. Um, honoring the yin. Yeah, it does mean the inward, the feminine, the slow. Um, so slowing down, really getting clear on, on what needs to happen and letting no more than top three priorities be on your list of to-dos and even putting yourself at the top of your own to-do list because when you honor your yin, everyone can probably imagine the yin-yang symbol, it Mm -hmm. engenders good yang, right? That that symbol is not two rectangles sitting next to each other. There's an interplay between them and they Mm -hmm. not only balance each other as opposites, they support each other and we, we desperately need yin. You know that you can't have good productivity when you haven't slept well in a week, right? Like that you need yes. to be able to go into deep oh my in, God, yes. in order to have mm-hmm. productivity and focus. And I really love yang. I really tend to overdo. I really mm-hmm. love packing my days and, and that's part of, part of the root of my own imbalance. And so, mm-hmm. so with clients, I think it's, it's really important to look at 
um, giving them permission to do less, giving them permission to, to go easy on themselves. And it, not in a way of like being an enabler of like, oh yeah, it's okay to have that whole pint of ice cream. You deserve it. But instead like <laughs> being your own ally in a way of like, oh yeah, like actually tending to the emotional pain of it's hard to it's hard to not be able to do it all. It's hard to live with chronic stress. It's hard to live with um, and it, whatever it is that you're suffering with to honor it, to tend to it, mm-hmm. to allow yourself to have feelings. And, and it, that may sound really kind of squishy, but it's actually, it's actually really important, especially like in our society, which is young addicted, where it's also like, we're supposed to be machines from eight to five. We're supposed to just not mm-hmm. have emotions because that's what to like, women don't want to be seen as too emotional or too irrational and all that. And, and it's really like giving ourselves permission to be human. And, and, yeah, and also because if we're too emotional, people don't take us seriously. Exactly, right. right. Yeah, a period cramps are not taken seriously, even though it's like really painful and <laughs> excruciating. Yeah, and it's, mm. it's so it's it's part of that, um, you know, the sexist culture where mm-hmm. really um, there there's a lot that is there's a lot of the strength of the feminine that is discounted in our masculine culture that emphasizes and fetishizes speed and productivity and, uh, you know, independence and doing it by yourself and doing it, you know, which is a total, you know, but myth. It's like no one, no one achieves by themselves, right? Everyone starts with help and with privilege and with, you know, that, and, and, and with the work of other people in, in our lives. And so it really just the interconnected, and the honoring the honoring of the body is it, it's fundamental to like the body and the mind are the same thing there is no separation so being able to like get enough sleep eat the foods that help it, that nourish ourselves that can translate into having good energy and good digestion um being ha- making time to do what makes us happy making time to do what makes us feel purposeful. It's like, these are basic human needs and to override them in the service of getting more done or is, is um, it's a fallacy. I love that um, we have segued into this whole area of um, social culture and what we're up against in the modern world. How do you, involve qigong and tai chi when it comes to stress management oh great question i i've never really studied tai chi but um for those who may be less familiar qigong means energy exercise or energy cultivation and it's basically i I wrote an article for the huffington post once about qigong being yoga's less sexy cousin so (laughs) instead of like you know this Thank you. Yeah. So yoga is like super popular and super showy and super outward and you need stretchy pants and you need like all, all this. And, mm-hmm. and Qigong is, is this internal practice of that combines breathing with intention, with flowy movements that are quite feminine in nature and they re, they're repetitive. So you can kind of trance out on them while allowing your body to open up. So it's like where 
Tai Chi, I never got the hang of it because it was always like, well, first of all, it's like martial arts in slow motion and it's, <laughs> it's like really complicated and you have to remember all this stuff. Whereas Qigong, it's like, oh, I'm just opening up my spine by doing these like little undulating movements, like a wave or I'm doing, you know, I'm holding this ball of energy and I'm making it bigger as I breathe in and I'm making it smaller as I condense the ball and you know, those kinds of things. So I, I did go on and, and do some advanced healing qigong training and i used to well i I still do on occasion lead workshops and international retreats local retreats and all that but i also have an online class um that where people can learn qigong from home because i think it's like the easiest and simplest way of having like a lot of people find meditation really daunting because who wants to sit still and just let your mind race and a lot of people find yoga or like that which is really kind of the other mind body practice that's that's out there um, too daunting because it's uh, it, there, because of the focus on how it's supposed to look instead of how it's supposed to feel. And so I love introducing people to Qigong for several reasons. Like one, because it's this moving meditation and a gentle exercise, but also because there are movements that can actually move stagnation in particular parts of the body or moves that are good for the liver and moves that are good for the spleen and, um, and every organ system can be kind of nourished from the outside in and it's a uh, it's super powerful there's a there's more and more research is being done on it and it's a uh, the kind of thing that that where studies have shown that it can boost energy and immunity and reduce stress reduce anxiety reduce depression build bone mass um all sorts of all sorts of interesting studies that have come out about it and so i love letting people know that it's um, it's an option and it doesn't take, I mean, in, in 20 minutes or less, you can have a practice that serves you for the rest of your life. That's awesome. Do you have any specific videos on your site that, you know, people can just go have a look at? I do. I have a, a little free um breathing break, uh, which is like a seated meditation and the world's simplest Qigong. And I can send you a link to that for your show notes. Oh, totally. Yeah, I do want to bring that awareness. Anything that's kind of not, I would say, on trend, quote unquote, on trend, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's like can be also helpful. It can be helpful for others who do not find yoga uh, a practice at all. Um, I definitely mm-hmm. want to introduce that to them. Great. Yeah. And I love yoga and I, I've had a 20 year meditation practice, so I'm not knocking these practices at all, but mm-hmm. Qigong is, is a, is a really, it is kind of, I think it's, I think it's on track to be more popular and trendy because we have an aging population that is looking for a way to not hurt themselves while moving and, and exercising. And so if people can get in early on in life and establish a practice, it's like, it, it's original, it's the original longevity exercise and the idea that it, that how you know that exercise that leaves us panting and exhausted is depleting that kidney energy i was talking about earlier it's like if you've had a long exhausting day like pushing yourself to go to a for a, a punishing run isn't exactly medicine right you know like it's so be, doing something like it's i think it's important when we exercise to have yin exercise and yang exercise mm-hmm. so a, a balance of vigorous and more nourishing and opening yeah, I love that. I always talk about how over-exercising when you have PCOS does not help you to lose weight at all. It, you know, In any case, it helps to worsen it or it just stagnates your journey into healing. Um, so yes, what is the bis- biggest misconception uh, you see when it comes to women's health? 
the biggest misconception oh good um hmm. i know it's very broad well you can you can narrow it down whose misconception uh well women with well let's just look at uh your clientele type a women yeah i think probably i think probably the biggest misconception is is what we've been talking about this outsourcing of our power to professionals and you know sort of this this do me medicine model of i'm going to go and have somebody fix me i'm going to go show up at my massage therapist my acupuncturist my chiropractor my functional medicine doctor whoever and have them do something to me whereby i get better as mm-hmm. and and it's like i just think that is backwards. It's like, yes, certainly there's, there's times to get help and support and I do all those things and it's, you know, and it's great and important, but it's not nearly as important as the choices I'm making every day and really recognizing that we have uh, much more power than we think from, from how we breathe to how we structure our day. And that for, so, and, and for a lot of us, it's like, it's about it's about the the power of the basics. And that's, I think, why I'm so passionate about getting people to actually do the things. It's like, it's so not sexy to be focusing on like getting to bed on time or, you know, just, or like <laughs> yeah. actually doing your workouts or like spent, you know, yeah. figuring out when you're going to mm-hmm. food prep for your week. But having those things down, having the, the essential habits down allows so much bandwidth for everything else in our lives. And it, it, it really are the habits of resilience that both Chinese medicine and Ayurveda would agree on, you know, that, that these are, Mm -hmm. these are the things that are at foundation for absolutely any condition. If we want to be able to get through life with, with energy and bandwidth, uh, routine is the, is, is the thing that is an amazing grounding force. Such wise words, Brody. I love it. I love that this is a reminder for everyone to, you know, be conscious about your choices, really start with ourselves. It's really very easy to go out and be in search of someone to help me, as you said. So let's just kind of round this up. Um, I will have two fun questions for you today. So the first one is, what's your favorite way of detoxing your body like naturally you know through your kidneys and your liver oh um i'd say i am a big fan of like buttery greens <laughs> but buttery, I, greens? buttery greens absolutely oh. because uh, buttery greens with garlic and here's why that's my favorite detoxy thing um mm-hmm. because you that a little bit of garlic is going to be stimulating to the liver mm-hmm. the the fat like and obviously greens are wonderfully detoxifying and fabulous and but to get fat soluble toxins out of the body we need to have a little bit of fat to stimulate uh the bile production to get the liver mm-hmm. gallbladder in gear and so having um having some cooked greens with some olive oil or some grass-fed butter um, and some garlic is one of my go-to's I love that. That's actually also my favorite thing to do. <laughs> if I have like kale and really big leaves, yeah. that I can't like, you know, roast or anything. Oh, that's amazing. So um, yeah. What is a uh, one exercise routine that you have or that you love? Oh, I'm, I'm guessing huge... you would say qigong. No. Actually, I haven't <laughs> been practicing qigong too much these days. I uh, the, like my qigong practice has evolved from being a, a normal form to being something that's kind of a hybrid of of uh, it, it looks sort of like belly dancing plus 
uh, plus stretching plus, um, yeah, plus those flowy Qigong movements I was talking about earlier. So that's something that that's more like a yin practice of mine these days. My yang practice, I love hiking and doing um, power yoga, the, the, the hot, sweaty vinyasa classes are my jam. Oh, nice. <laughs> that's always the best when you come out dripping hot and sweat. Uh, yeah. And, and it's like, it's definitely possible to overdo that. Like if someone, you know, that I, if I did it every day, it wouldn't be particularly good for me, but like three, four times a week, it feels great. Oh, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. I really, really love the tips and everything that you shared, especially about, you know, seeing the whole body as a big picture. I like having that integration information uh, for our audience today. Well, I am happy to be here and it was a pleasure talking with you. And if anyone is interested in learning more, I invite them to check out A Healthy Curiosity on Being Well in a Busy mm -hmm. World and to um, to hop over to BrodyWelch.com. It's Brody with an IE and Welch with a CH. And you can download um, that common centered bundle and I will... I'll definitely follow up with you on that link. Yes, yes. Send me all your links. Um, I'll definitely put them in the show notes so everyone can go find you. And also, I am a listener of Brody's podcast and it's really, really awesome. So thank you. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate the <laughs> shout out. It's, you know, we're all in this together, Melissa, like those mm -hmm. of us who are, are wanting women to take better care of themselves. So it's mm -hmm. just a pleasure to be able to connect with you and to... Uh, hopefully say something to inspiring to your audience about just the right to prioritize what you need to do for you. Yes. If it's one takeaway from today, just prioritize yourself and your self-care. That's it. Right. Mm -hmm. All right.